Amen. Today's message is called, I Want That. I Want That, Part 2. It is based on Acts chapters 1 through 4. In Part 1, I talked about how it is my hope and prayer that our four precious young grandchildren, Yanni, Yulia, Everly, and Paxton, would grow up desiring certain spiritual truths in their lives. In the first point, I showed you a picture of four-year-old Everly holding up a sign saying, I want to be Jesus' witness. That's right. I want to be Jesus' witness. In the second point, I showed you a slide of 22-month-old Paxton holding up a sign saying, I want to be courageous about my faith in Jesus. Amen. May you and I also have that desire, those desires. In the third point in the previous message, I showed you a picture with both Everly and Paxton with the words, read it with me now, read it. I want God to perform miraculous signs and wonders, right? Amen. May you also have that desire. Let it be so, Lord. There is something else that I hope and pray our grandchildren and you and I will long for. And this is the fourth truth I want to share with you in this two-part series. And it is this. I hope my grandchildren will say, I want to be generous, unselfish, and not self-centered. You see here in the picture my grandson Yanni holding up this beautiful truth. Yanni is our daughter's son. Our daughter is Amy, and uh, he, is, he is their eldest. And Amy, of course, is married to Pastor Yanni, who is the minister of our Connect Church of the Nazarene, a congregation that we started just about five and a half years ago. All right? Now, we see in the Bible how the early Christians themselves were generous, unselfish, and not self-centered. For example, in Acts chapter 2, if you just look at verse 44 and 45, here's what it says. It says, All the believers met together in one place, and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. And also, if we look a little bit later, for example, in Acts chapter 4, at verse 34, Acts 4, verse 34 and 35, we read, There were no needy people among them, because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. It is wonderful, isn't it? It is wonderful when we see a spirit of generosity in one another 
a spirit of generosity in our children, our grandchildren, and in, in adults as a whole. Recently, our daughter Amy told me of an incident with her then six-year-old son, Yanni. I don't know what all led up to the conversation that my daughter had with her six-year-old son, but she ended up saying to him, she said, Yanni, mommy doesn't have any money in my purse. Your dad and I have some money in the bank, but I don't have any money in my purse. A little while later, little Yanni took his mother's purse to her and said, Mom, please, open up your purse. His mother opened her purse, and to her surprise, she found it filled with coins. She asked, she asked him, Yanni, where all the money came from? And Yanni said, Mom, I didn't think it was right for you not to have any money in your purse. So I opened up my piggy bank to share my money with you. To share my money with you, Mom. Now you have money also, Mommy. Well, obviously, as a grandfather, I was thrilled with what my grandson did. And I reached into my pocket and pulled out a $20 bill and said to Yanni, Sweetheart, I'm proud of what you did. I want you to have, I want you to have this $20 bill. And fortunately, my daughter seized the teachable moment and said to him, Son, you were very generous with me, your mother. You had no idea this would happen. But now you have been blessed with $20 from your grandfather, which is a lot of money. And she said to him, Son, when we are generous, God somehow blesses us. Amen? It was a wonderful, teachable moment. May you and I, may you and I, and may our children and grandchildren say and pray, Lord, I want to be generous. I want to be unselfish and not self-centered. Amen? Amen. How about you? How about me? Are we, are we generous? Are we? I want to take a moment to sincerely express appreciation to the many of you who have been generous. You have been and you are generous in regularly sending in your tithes and offerings to Rosewood Church of the Nazarene. It has been about 15, going on to 16 months now, since our government initially asked all places of worship to stop holding regular in-person services to help stop the spread of COVID-19. We had to go to pre-recorded services and eventually we began to live stream these services, which is what we're still doing now. When the COVID crisis began, I had no idea how our tithes and offerings would be affected. 
and most pastors had no idea either. I was very concerned as to whether or not we would be able to meet our world missions obligations, support of our missionaries. I was very concerned as to how we would pay the the church monthly electrical bill, the gas bill, the water bill, and those basic responsibilities. I seriously wondered if, if we would have to reduce all of our pastoral and staff salaries by 50% or more. And perhaps I wondered if we were going to have to lay off, lay off all of us, all of us. There was no way of knowing. Over 15 months have passed since COVID-19 started to really affect all of us here in Toronto, Canada. And I truly want to give God praise. I want to sincerely Praise God and and thank you, Rosewood Church of the Nazarene family, because throughout this pandemic, we have still met, we have still met all of our financial obligations. Amen. Amen. Our, Our denomination asks every local church to contribute to world missions, support of our missionaries, to world missions, world evangelism, Our denomination asks us to give at least 5.5% of a church's total income in what we call an assembly year, which goes from May the 1st to April the 30th the following year. Well, I am very pleased and grateful and delighted. I am delighted to say that Rosewood Church gave much more. We even gave much more than 5.5% this assembly year. And we gave, in fact, we gave $67,455 for world missions. And over and above that, over and above that, we also gave $9,120 for Cuba missions to help our dear, uh, very impoverished, poor people in, in Cuba. Our denomination also asks that we give 10% of our income to what is called the district tithe. The district tithe supports our Church of the Nazarene Ministries in Ontario, which we call Canada Central District. Well, this past assembly year, we gave just over, just over $61,674 as a district tithe, which was 100% of what was required of us. Just for your interest, just for your interest, Rosewood Church of the Nazarene has given more for world missions and district tithe than any other Nazarene church in Canada this year and in fact for many years, for many years. That's what has happened. I do not say that to boast about us. I don't say it to boast. I say it to help you understand what God has helped us to accomplish. That's why I tell you that. To help you understand what the Lord has enabled us to do. And in addition to that, to what I've said, this past assembly year, we helped many people in our church, our local church, and in our community around us in Scarborough and Toronto. We helped a variety of people with food, with gift cards, gift cards to the major grocery stores in the city. 
We helped people who were stuck paying their utilities or rent. And we assisted, in fact, two other Nazarene churches in Ontario who were having a very hard time financially because of COVID. Well, at the same time, we met. We met all of our local church financial obligations. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. And I told you all of that simply to praise God. That's right. To praise the Lord and thank those of you who regularly drop off your tithes and offerings. Some of you mail in your donations and others of you donate by e-transfer to offerings at rosewoodchurch.ca. And we say a very big thank you. Thank you. Now, some of you, some of you have perhaps not given very much or anything to the Lord's work this past year. That's probably a possibility. Well, now is the time. Now is the time to get back on track and to start giving. You can send in the big amount that you've saved up that you've been saying, you know what, I really need to, to send this to Rosewood Church to drop it off or whatever. And by the way, by the way, if you are a viewer and you have another home church, you have another home church besides watching Rosewood Church of the Nazarene services. Listen now, listen. Please give your regular tithes to your own local church first and not to us at Rosewood Church of the Nazarene. You see, we want, we want all local churches to remain financially strong. We're not concerned just about Rosewood. We're concerned about other churches as well. If you, still, if you still do want to give to Rosewood, please make sure that it is over and above your 10% giving to your local church. Okay? All right. So, thank you for your generosity. Let's now move to another truth. All right. Furthermore, may our grandchildren... Be eager, and may your grandchildren and your children and you as an adult, may my grandchildren be eager to say, this is the fifth point, I want to promote unity. I want to promote unity. In the picture on your screen, you'll see 22-year-old Yulia, Yanni's uh, little sister, with a sign, I want to promote unity. Yulia is our daughter's uh, little girl, Amy and Pastor Yanni's little, little sweetheart. All right? In our Bible, Acts 4, verse 32 says, All the believers were united in heart and mind. That's a New Living Translation. And 1 Corinthians 1.10 says, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ, to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church. Rather, be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. Isn't that beautiful? And Romans 12.16 says, Live in harmony with one another. And Romans 14, verse 19, 
So then, let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. And Ephesians 4, verse 3, verse 3, make every effort to keep yourselves united, united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Hallelujah. Now, of course, of course, you and I want unity in our church, at your workplace or school, in your neighborhood, and certainly in your family. Amen? Right? You can say, right. Those few of you in the sanctuary. Right. All right. Now here are a few ideas that can especially help promote unity in our families and in other group settings. Okay? If you've got a notepad here, start making some notes. Here's some ideas that can help promote unity. <clears throat> Number one, be polite. Be polite, but be honest with your family members during discussions. Okay? That's number one. Number two. Number two. Listen. Listen carefully to each other. When someone is speaking with you, pay attention. Okay? Don't fidget. Don't fidget with your phone or or TV changer. <clears throat> and don't start a conversation with someone else when you're supposed to be talking with person A or B, whomever it might be. All right? Sometimes, sometimes I, you know, sometimes I just want to stop talking with a person or I want to stop talking with, with a group because I, I'm talking and I'm trying to listen to them as well. I'm talking... And I'm thinking, wait a minute, let me just stop talking, forget it. They're not paying attention. They're looking here, they're looking there, they're looking there, they're playing with their phone, they're doing whatever. Does that happen with you or, or, or just with me? Huh? Let's be honest. Let's be honest. So, when someone is talking with you, whether it's a family member or, or a friend or, or someone you've just met, Pay attention, focus, focus. Give your attention. Tune in instead of just doing what, whatever, not listening. All right, so number one, be polite, be honest. Number two, listen carefully to each other. Number three, number three, <clears throat> show appreciation for each other, right? Show appreciation. And number four, number four, agree to disagree. Sometimes, sometimes we have to agree to disagree. I have a friend. Sometimes when we're having conversations about whatever, uh, I just know that there are times when I have to agree to disagree. Do you find that? Of course you do, if you're normal, right? And number five, okay, number five, these are ideas to help us, to help us maintain unity in family settings, group settings, whatever. Number five, give and accept apologies, right? <clears throat> give 
and accept apologies. All right, take a drink of water if you have to get one, okay? All right. Give and accept apologies. Now sometimes, sometimes we even have to apologize to a child. Yesterday, last night in fact, after supper, I thought, I thought it'd be nice to uh, go across to the park. There's a park not far from where we live, just basically across the road. I thought it would be nice to go across the park and get some exercise by playing, uh, playing some sports with my now seven-year-old grandson, Yanni. You saw him in the picture a little bit ago. I thought, okay, you know, I need some exercise and uh, he needs to burn off some energy before his mother takes him uh, home and puts him to bed, or rather, well, before he goes to bed, period. All right? So um, we went across the park, and we started to play football. Football, you know, the, the ball that kind of looks different for those of you who are thinking of soccer. We initially started to play with the other kind of ball, and uh, we set the goal lines. On the one end, I said, okay, Yanni, if you throw the ball or kick the ball past those trees, you will get a point. If I throw the ball or kick the ball beyond those trees on my end, on the other side, uh, I get a point, whatever, okay? So we kind of set up the rules. And um, then we started to play. And then after about 10 minutes, probably, after about 10 minutes of playing, can you believe this? During, these, during those first 10 minutes, the score became one nothing for him. Then it became 2 nothing for Yanni. Then it became 3 nothing, And it became 4 nothing, And he kept scoring against me. Here I'm thinking, I'm a, I'm a big man, I'm a grown man, I should be winning this game, and here this little seven-year-old grandson of mine is beating me. <clears throat> I was desperate. I was desperate and tired. And, and I thought, I needed some help. I needed some help. Uh, I, I, I needed kind of like a, an edge. You know, I needed a, an edge to, to help me because... Every time, every time uh, I ran, every time he ran and I ran <clears throat> for the football and then we changed it to a soccer ball, every time we ran for it, he would, he would get it first. He would get it first. And, and then I thought, I got to figure out a way to win here. So then I got smart. Bria, would you believe what I did? You know what I did? As he and I ran to the ball, I then, I then blocked him. I put my arm out. I, as, as he got, as he tried to get the ball, get the ball to kick it, you know, so he could get another point, I blocked him. I blocked him and he would, he would try to get the ball and I'd block him and I'd push him away. Not hard, but enough so that he couldn't get the ball and then I'd get the ball, you know, so it got to be 5-1 and, and then 
two, I think it was, and, and five, three, and I thought, yes, I'm finally catching up. And each time, each time, Yanni would say, Yanni would say, Dezo, that's uh, grandfather for in Macedonian, Dezo, this is not right. This isn't fair. I said, what's not fair? You're blocking me. This is, this is cheating. This is cheating. I said, no, I'm just blocking you. That's all. I'm just blocking you. He says, not right to Dezo. It's not fair. And I said, well, it's fair to me. I'm finally getting some, some goals, right? Well, <clears throat> after a little while, to be honest with you, I got convicted. <laughs> My wife here says, good. I I felt convicted. I don't know if it was just my conscience or, or if it was the Holy Spirit, but I, I, I felt bad because I knew, Bria, I knew I was, I don't like to say it, but I was cheating, right? I was cheating. I thought, Lord, this is not being, a, I'm not being a good example for my grandson, but man, I was so tired. He runs so fast. You know, I, I wasn't expecting a seven-year-old child to beat me. And uh, so, so I, I, had to, I had to stop. And it, it was time to leave the park anyway. I had to stop. And I, and I said to him, and I say to my grandson today, Yanni, I'm really sorry, buddy. I'm sorry. I did you wrong. You are winning fair and square. And I want to, I, I did apologize to Yanni, and I want to publicly apologize today. So, grandfathers, dads, if you're playing with your children, be fair, okay? Don't block them, all right? No cheating. If they win, they win. If you lose, you lose. All right? Sometimes. Yanni, would you please forgive me? Would you please forgive me for not playing fair? Okay? Um, he, he's learned to play really well. He's, he's a great soccer player because his dad is an outstanding soccer player and his dad has trained him. All right? Sometimes we have to apologize to one another, and sometimes <clears throat> we might have to apologize to our, our own child or grandchild. Right? All right. Here's another truth. I hope and pray that our grandchildren, your grandchildren, your kids, all of us, will also say, this is the sixth, sixth point in this little series, that we will also say, I want to persevere during tough times. And you see Yanni holding up this truth in the picture. I want to persevere during tough times. Acts 4, verses 1 through 22 tell us of how Peter and John were put in jail for preaching. Peter and John persevered. And Acts 4, verse 21-22 says, After further threats, they let them go. 
They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for the miraculous sign, the healing of a man who had been lame for more than 40 years. Many of the early Christians had to persevere through tough times. People like Peter and John were put in jail for simply preaching about Jesus. That's right. Other apostles were also jailed. Acts 5 verse 17 tells us that. A young believer named Stephen was stoned to death because of his faith in Jesus. That's spoken of in Acts chapter 7. Acts 8 verse 1 says, A great wave of persecution began that day after Stephen was killed, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem. And all the believers except the apostles were scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. Now the good news is we have not experienced that kind of persecution here in Canada. But we need to pray for Christians in some countries where violent persecution of Christians is a reality. For the past three years, we have been trying as a church to bring to Canada a dear family that went through a, a lot of persecution to the extent that the father died most likely from the beatings he had received. While most of us have not experienced the violent persecution that some dear people have experienced in other world areas, the past 15 months during COVID-19 have been extra difficult for most of us. Some of you have experienced, sadly, some of you have experienced the death of a loved one from COVID-19 or from some other illness. And to you, I express my deepest love and sympathy, precious person, precious one. We express our love and sympathy to you. Others of you have been mildly sick with COVID and some of you were critically ill with that disease. This past week, my youngest brother Stavros was in hospital for almost a week with COVID. And that was, was, it continues to be very tough for him. I think of one of our dear church ladies who was sick with COVID for over six weeks in hospital and she spent 17 days of those weeks on a ventilator. I have been deeply disturbed. Listen now. I have been deeply disturbed by some people who have insisted that COVID-19 has been a, a hoax. Oh my. I've been deeply bothered by people who have gone to, to protest rallies, to protest our government's Requests to wear masks, declaring their rights, quote, their rights have been violated. Wow. Terrible. Meanwhile, doctors in intensive care units throughout Toronto, Ontario, and across the country and in other countries have been struggling to save critically ill COVID patients. I just want to say how my brother Stavros told me that uh, over the phone, told me that he received excellent care at the Michael Guerin Hospital, formerly called the 
Toronto East General Hospital on Coxwell. He, he told me of how the doctors and the nurses and the treatment he was given, were, they were just all outstanding, so, so helpful. And that was so marvelous for me to hear from a patient about one of our hospitals, which has dealt with many COVID patients over these 15, 16 months. Amen. For some people, the last 15 months of COVID-19, for some, some folks anyway, the, these months have been very tough. Tough on some people's health, physically and emotionally. Tough for some people financially because of a job loss or reduced hours of work. Tough for a lot of businesses like, like restaurants and barbershops and hairstylists other stores. Listen, you know, when these different businesses open up, and I don't know exactly when they're opening up, but, you know, when you and I go get a haircut or whatever, if at all possible, let's be very generous with a big tip, very generous with a big tip for a lot of these businesses that have had to close for months, months at a time. Amen? For other people, these months have been tough because you have not been able to visit or see loved ones the way you used to be able to. And for some, it's been tough because of lineups to get into a, a few stores that have been allowed to stay open. For many weeks, for many weeks, every morning when I would drive to the church from our home, I, I couldn't believe it. Uh, for many weeks, as I was driving to the church from our home, and in the evenings, when I drove home for supper, I passed by this garden center. And for weeks, every time I passed that garden center, there was this huge lineup of people. I don't know, it seemed like the length, uh, the length of a football field or longer. Just people waiting to get in. Um, if you saw the lineup, you would think... The garden center must be giving everything away for free because, you know, there's just such a big lineup. But as far as I was told, prices are regular. So, for some of you, the lockdown, the lockdowns have been difficult. And of course, for most of the past 15 months, churches and other places of worship have had to close their doors to help prevent the spread of COVID-19. For some people, COVID-19 has been obviously very, very difficult. For other people, the truth is, COVID has been mostly an inconvenience, right? I want to sincerely commend the many of you who have persevered, who have persevered through COVID over these past 15 months. You have persevered through a pandemic that, according to history, usually happens only about once every 100 years. We are finally, as a city here in Toronto, Canada, and as a province and as a country, making progress against COVID-19. The infection rates are going down. They're going down. Here in Ontario, a few weeks ago, 
We were having somewhere over 4,000 infection rates per day. Now, the latest has been somewhere between 400 to 600 infection rates per day. Now, that's still a ways to go to, to fully improve, but the infection rates are going down. And the experts are telling us that the main reason for the progress is because people have been practicing social distancing, which we must still do, unless you're in your bubble, okay? We have to practice social distancing, and uh, the infection rates have been going on, the experts have been saying, because more and more people have been getting vaccinated, vaccinated against COVID-19. As of June 11th in Canada, 23.3 million people, or 61.34% of Canadians, have been vaccinated with one dose of a vaccine. Of course, most people still need to get the second dosage, myself included. So far, 3,049,801 people, or 8% of the population, has been fully vaccinated, that is, two vaccinations. If, if as yet you have not been vaccinated, I strongly encourage you to do so, to help protect yourself and your family and others. My dear brother Stavros, listen now, listen. My dear brother Stavros was one who refused to get vaccinated. While in hospital with COVID, barely able to breathe, he said to me, he said to me over the phone, he said, Brother Nick, this COVID bug is bad. He said, it's real bad, real bad. Now, he has fortunately survived COVID, but he has a long ways to go to fully recover. My friends, let's persevere, all of us. Let's do what we've got to do. Let's persevere towards full recovery over COVID-19 for everyone, for everyone's sake. Whatever your tough time might be today, or tomorrow, or in the tomorrows to come, remember the Lord wants. The Lord wants to empower you to persevere, to make it through. Amen? I have told you that it is my sincere hope and prayer that our grandchildren, that our grandchildren would say things like, what you saw in the pictures. That our grandchildren would say, I want, number one, I want to be Jesus' witness. Number two, I want to be courageous about my faith in Jesus. Number three, I want to perform miraculous signs or I want God to perform miraculous signs and wonders. Number four, I want to be generous, unselfish, and not self-centered. Number five, I want to promote unity. Number six, I want to persevere during tough times. How? How can these wants be a reality 
for my grandchildren, for you and me. Well, there is no doubt that to a certain extent, for most of those wants to become a reality, they require, they require some human effort by you and me. However, it takes more than human effort. What you and I need, what you and I need is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Those early Christian believers were filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts 2, beginning at verse 1, tells us this. Here's what it says. It says, In my first book I told you, Theophilus, where am I here? Acts 2. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. And then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. A few weeks ago, in fact, it was May 23rd, it was Pentecost Sunday. It was a celebration of what happened in Acts chapter 2. And verse 2 tells us there was a sound like a mighty wind. Wind in the Bible represents supernatural heaven-sent power. Uh, verse 3 says, Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. Fire in the Bible often represents purity and cleansing. And verse 4 says, And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. My friend, the fullness of the Holy Spirit brought about in those first century Christians power and purity. And the same, the same fullness of the Holy Spirit is able to bring about in your life and mine that power and purity enabling you and me to do what? To be Jesus' witness, to be courageous about our faith in Jesus, to see God perform miraculous signs and wonders, to be generous, unselfish, not self-centered, to promote unity, and to persevere during tough times. Yes. Have you asked God? Have you asked God to fill you with the Holy Spirit? You and I need His power and purity. And today you can experience your personal Pentecost. Let it happen, Lord. Let us pray. Dear Lord, Lord, we pray. And we ask, O oh Lord, that you would indeed give to each of us our personal Pentecost. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, Lord. Yes, we need your power and we need your purity. Empower us and purify us so that we become 
the man, the woman, the teenager, the child that you want us to be, dear God. Yes, purify us, empower us through the presence and the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord. Let it happen, let it happen in each of us. Yes, Lord, that's what we want and that's what we need. And then we can better sing some of these great hymns of the faith. We can sing of how, how great you are, the greatness of our Lord, how great you are, Lord. Yes, because we've experienced your power and your purity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.